The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Humans get so caught up in the daily ins and outs of life, never noticing the world around them, and purposely avoiding the things that lurk in the shadows. If we pretend they're not there, then they're not. They become stories, something to write about, maybe in a movie script or book, maybe even in a podcast. (laughs) Go figure. Because it helps ease their deepest, darkest fears. The enemy knows this. It uses it against them. It hunts them in ways they don't expect. Isn't it amazing how many people just go missing each and every day? Each and every year. Sometimes it is foul play. Sometimes a person doesn't want to be found. And other times... (laughs) Oh, the thought... On this Tentacle Tuesday, we get to see the results of some of their handiwork, their foul play, as a girl teeters on the edge of never-ending sorrow. A quick reminder that this podcast does contain graphic violence, images of child endangerment, and foul language, and is not recommended for children under the age of 13. And now... Chapter 4, The Girl in the Flower Shop Ignoring the sting of the thorns, Maggie took the thorny green vine and wrapped it tightly around her pale skin. Drops of red forming from where the thorns dug in, creating beads of blood. How pretty they looked, beating in the cool fluorescent lights. She twisted her arm back and forth, admiring her handiwork. Part of her wanted to giggle as she licked the drops of blood that trickled towards her elbow. Part of her felt, how? What was this feeling? Then a decadent thought came to her mind. Isn't there a prayer for those who follow the word, based on the rose? She wondered, how would those people react to her take on it? I'm sure mother would be pleased. Then taking some bluebells, she started stringing them together to form a crown. Placing it on her head, she spun, singing, Here we go round the maple high, the maple high, the maple high. Here we go round the maple high, let the colored ribbons fly, let the colored ribbons fly. See the lasses and lads go tripping by, go tripping by, go tripping by. See the lasses and lads go tripping by, let colored ribbons fly, let colored ribbons fly. Until finally she saw how she looked in the mirror and came to a complete stop. Her dress was still sloshing from the momentum. Maggie frowned at her image. Her raven black hair hung to her waist, emboldened by the yellow and green flowered patterned dress that hung slightly off her shoulders. She briefly tried flashing one of those girlish smiles she had seen in the movies, but her eyes were so dark. Not a bright blue or green that dazzled in the sunlight, but dark like two smoldering pieces of coal. Yet those eyes didn't have the hatred or sting that most of her family held. Her eyes seemed filled with an unquiet sadness. This is wrong, she mumbled to herself. Sitting back down, she tossed the crown of flowers aside. Those things were meant for pretty girls, not a thing like her. 
As she sat there, she recalled a conversation she had with Mother. It was one they had often, as Mother liked to make sure not to let her forget her or her sister's debt. Why do I humor your indulgence for flowers is beyond me, child, she would say as she walked through the flower shop, looking to break something, anything, anything that would cause Maggie grief. And then she'd say, Just remember, you're true purpose, child, followed by a crash or the sound of glass breaking. Mother would smile and ask, You wouldn't want me to have to explain it again, would you? No, no, Mother. She made sure she responded quickly. Mother was far from patient. Yet in truth, she and her sister Nicole owed much to her. Mother had rescued them when they were very small. She loved telling them the tale, making sure they knew their debt. Some humans, some norms had taken them away from their natural parents, raising them on their own for their own selfish wishes and desires. This always made Maggie's blood boil. How she hated humans. Yet in spite of that, every now and then she couldn't help but watch them with fascination. How they mingle. How familiar they can be with each other. She sometimes caught herself wondering, what would it be like to be one? Maggie. A sweet-sounding voice called to her, and her gaze returned to the mirror. This is not your true self, the voice continued. Look upon me and know the truth. The image of her in the mirror changed. Her cheeks rosy, filled with blush, her eyes deep and warm. She seemed radiant with a strange glow that gave her a sense of worth, a sense that she was loved beyond imagination. From that, anger, not confusion, rose up from inside her, and she screamed at the image. No! No, that isn't true! I could never be so beautiful, so warm. It made her feel sick. What a horrible lie. Things like her are not capable of being loved or loving. No, they were tools. Tools to be used in his service. She yelled at the image a second time. Liar! Tossing the remnants of stems and twine at it, leaving a mark on the glass. Realizing what she had done a second too late, she gasped and then felt instant relief that she hadn't broken it. If she had her punishment, she didn't want to even begin to think what Mother would have done. She quickly got up and began to polish the smudge off with a rag lying on the table. As she did, the mirror lost its reflection and an ambient dark glow illuminated the glass. That only meant one thing. She was coming. The glass began to ripple like a pool as slowly her mother stepped through the mirror and into the flower shop. The Lady Cassandra, the High Mother of the Cadric Order. She had a haunting quality about her. Like Maggie, she had long raven-colored hair and pale skin, but her features could appear distorted. Sometimes she appeared like the rotting skeletal remains of a corpse, for she was thousands of years old. Her true body had rotted to dust eons ago. She would take on a new skin when the one she wore no longer served its purpose. And she chose each skin, each new husk, for her own sick reasons. But none of these could hold her true power for long. At most, only a few years. As the High Mother stepped through the mirror, 
she immediately noticed a crumpled crown of bluebells discarded on the floor. So Maggie had been playing human again, she thought to herself. Such a stupid, foolish girl. <laughs> if she only knew half the truth. She smiled inwardly while sneering at her daughter. What's the matter, my daughter? Cassandra asked, her two long cold arms stretching out of the darkness and around Maggie's neck. Nothing, Maggie snapped standing up and moving away from her mother's cold embrace, Maggie trying very hard not to show how truly frightened she was. Come on, girl, get it together. Push those thoughts out of your mind. You can't allow her to sense. Then Maggie, too, noticed the crumpled bluebells. Shit, she'd been caught. Now, 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 my dear. <laughs> Cassandra approached, her fingernail now centered between Maggie's breast, piercing the skin. Maggie went completely stiff as Cassandra put her lips next to Maggie's ear. I know you're lying. <laughs> I can sense everything. See? Everything. She thrust the crown of bluebells in Maggie's face and crushed them as she continued. That's okay. I know your heart belongs to me. Her tone was mocking, controlling. Maggie felt helpless, and she looked down at her feet. Yes, mother, it does. The scars on her back were a constant reminder never to contradict mother. Dropping the crumbling flowers from her long fingers, Cassandra walked through the back room of the flower shop. Once again, I am left wondering why I continue to allow this exception. She knocked over a huge glass vase onto the floor. Oops, <laughs> I'm so clumsy, she said, stepping on the glass as if it was pebbles. I I'm sorry, Mother, but I promise the flower shop will serve your interest. I, Cassandra, cut her off. Oh, you're right. It will serve my interest. There's a boy coming here. A very special boy. I want you to ensnare him for me. For us. A boy, mother? Is it the one the master searches for? Yes, it's that boy. Cassandra's eyes gleamed with a dark glee. I see, Maggie said, fidgeting where she stood. Since she was little, Mother had been obsessed with finding him. You will use this place and everything I taught you to bring him to us. Yes, Mother. I don't think I need to remind you that if you fail, you are to kill him. Yes, Mother. And Maggie, don't fail. A second vase went crashing to the floor. I understand and obey, she said with a genuflect. You better! Now stop wasting your time, you little wretch, and clean up this mess! Yes, Mother. Cassandra became more wistful as she spoke. You know, Mags, at least your youngest sister understands. Nicole is ready and plans on taking the oath soon. Maggie froze. That was something even she had yet to do. 
it was to consecrate yourself in his blood. There were two ways to do that. One was to go to the Well of Sorrows and draw a cup during High Mass. The other, Cassandra preferred because it was more personal. It was to drink it from her slit wrist. The blood would be poured into a chalice under the obelisk during the height of a new moon. It guaranteed not only his blood, which flowed through Cassandra, but also complete and utter allegiance to the Cadric Order. Oh, Maggie said, trying not to sound shaken by the news, as she continued sweeping up the broken glass. I didn't know Nicky had accomplished so much. Cassandra continued to needle Maggie. She knew she was overprotective of Nicole. Yes, I like you, my great disappointment. Nicole has mastered the De Liberati Man, the Loribus. Maggie tried not to show her disdain at the thought. She valued her freedom, their freedom, and didn't believe that they should be beholden to anyone or anything. Nicole and I would love it if you attended her fulfillment ceremony. Maggie curtsied and replied with the best convincing lie she could muster up. And I would be honored to do so. When are you planning for it? The next new moon, my dear. Maggie heard something heavy, hitting the table, making her jump. She knew without looking what it was. Swallowing hard, she turned to it and to her mother to see a large tome sitting on top of some flowers Maggie had been working on as she thought it was a copy of the De Libro Ataman de Loribus. It had to be. And since we just finished this cycle, it won't be for about another four weeks, Cassandra noted. Maggie could feel her legs wobble a little from the increased pressure of energy that Cassandra was now emitting. Maybe, Cassandra smiled, Maybe in that time, you too can finish your studies, and then the two of you can celebrate together. Maggie knew that this was no suggestion, but an order. Yes, Mother. Just think, we can truly be one big happy family. (laughs) Of course, Mother, yes. Or perhaps... If you prefer to continue to dilly-dally here, I will not only consecrate your sister to me and Ekmalak, but I will have her replace you here, in the flower shop, and let her seduce the boy for me. No! No, mother, I promise. I will fulfill my oath and obligation to you and Nicole, and I will stand together with her. I promise. Cassandra hugged Maggie. It was an uncomfortable feeling. The high mother was so cold. It gives me great pleasure to know that in four weeks, we shall truly be family. And nothing of what she was will remain. (laughs) How splendid, Cassandra thought to herself. Maggie had been five when she had acquired her, Nicole three, and had less memories. Now, Maggie, at fifteen, would be the perfect tool to extract her revenge, and if not... At least she'd make a good skin. She pushed away and then said, See? (laughs) Was that so hard? Now, get to work. 
My agents tell me he should be here in three days. Maggie genuflected again. Yes, mother. As the mirror shimmered once more and Cassandra stepped back into it and Maggie watched her return home. Maggie nearly collapsed back into the chair, hot, wet tears streaking her face. Four weeks. She would have liked to have kept the flower shop, to continue the human facade. But to join the Cadric Order meant to live in complete darkness, to hunt the Anointed Ones. Jonah was to be her first kill, or at least assist. Four weeks. Perhaps... If I do a good job, Mother will let me keep the flower shop. She will see just how useful it can be. This thought cheered her up a little bit as she walked over to the giant leather-bound book. It appeared to be almost a void unto itself. She opened the grimoire and shuddered. It had such an odd feel to it. It should feel natural, as if part of herself, her own existence. Yet, something deep inside her always made her wary of its knowledge. She flipped through the pages and stopped at a page her mother intended her to see. A dagger sat in the middle of it. This dagger was meant for sacrifice. Long, black, and cruel. Curled in an unusual way, like a snake or tentacle. She picked it up and held it under the lights. An ancient writing could be seen along its edge. She couldn't read most of it, only one word. It said, Ekmalak. The fallen one. The one they had pledged to. The one who all came to fall at his burning side in the dark of the waste. The dagger whispered to her, Fulfill your promises and be one with me. Maggie put it down and closed the book and her eyes. She wondered about the boy. What had he done besides being born to incur the wrath of the Order? Of Ekmalak himself. She looked at his picture, the one Mother had given her, and ran her finger over his face. I guess it doesn't really matter. This boy Jonah will turn or die. And all this must be done by her hand. A storm brings about a memory, a memory filled with warmth and sorrow. As another girl reminisces about a boss and an old friend, and the night a demon appeared at their doorstep, looking for help. In Chapter 5, The Café Solfeggio. See you next Tentacle Tuesday. Doodles!